Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hey listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Faux, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. friends welcome to the helping friendly podcast this is episode 87 i'm brad i'm here with jonathan uh hi jonathan howdy so we are um gonna have a little bit different sort of episode we're trying to trying to change things up a little bit here make things interesting and exciting um <laughs> and uh we uh we're gonna have mike on first we're gonna talk to him about dick shows um and the general awesomeness that is denver then we're gonna have our friend becky on uh she was at dicks as well she's going to give us her perspective and then jonathan's going to tell us about Locken as he was there right yeah i guess so you're not still there no i have okay. left 
Okay, good. Um, they got mad after a while, and they were like, "You, you, you, you must leave." <laughs> Listen, bro. Yeah. Um, we're done cleaning up. So, um, you know, and I think a general overview of this episode is going to be that summer was terrible and Dix was great. Well, let's not be <laughs> so extreme, except well, about Dix. We can say Dix was great, but summer wasn't yeah. terrible. Summer right. was just, you know, it did not, it didn't peak, you know. I yeah. mean, except a well, few times. Unless you include Dix as summer. Eh, nah. Nah. So right. uh, the summer tour was like four weeks, and it was, right. uh, we've been over it a lot. So let me just say, it was just kind of, yeah, it was all right. Nice. So um, we'll get to those, uh, and we're going to we're going to include some music in the end as well. But we don't know what that's going to be yet because we haven't talked to them yet. So it's all um, industry. It's it's so it's uh, the thumbnail sketch was so accurate, and the the teasing is just beyond belief right now. Um, <laughs> RJ will probably be on later as well. So anyway, a little bit of the news. Um, pretty excited about the Mike Gordon tour, even though he'll be nowhere near me. Um, sounds like. It fits in perfectly before a New Year's run. Yeah, that's a, you know, it's good little solo bit in between fish things. It comes, it like starts right after Halloween, like like a week and a half. Um, yes, yeah, right, all the way to like what December eighteenth or or no eleventh maybe or something like yeah. that. Yeah, so that's pretty great. Um, and then also some people may have seen on uh, the HF Pod Twitter that uh, we were chatting it up with Tom Marshall last no. weekend. Did that happen? Yeah. Was that last oh, weekend? Oh, you weren't there? No, I, well, I mean, I was oh, on yeah, the yeah. internet. <laughs> no, um, RJ was there RJ because, was he's, because he's famous like that. And um, and uh, we are, there's some big things that, that are going to come out of that. Well, we think they're big things that are going to come out of that episode. So we're going to wait a little bit to release it as we fine tune it. But obviously Tom's a wonderful fellow. And if you haven't said hi to him, you should say hi to him next time you see him. Yeah, he, um, he's okay with that. As long as you're nice. Right. Just don't be a dick, right? Right. Dicks. That's a good rule anyways. <laughs> Generally. All right. So let's get to it. Um, wait, I don't... wait, wait. Oh, go. There's another Sorry. big news thing. Yes. Apparently, Fish is going to release an album. Mm, I heard about this. Yes. It's, yeah. uh, what is it called? The Big Boat? Yeah. Just Big Boat? No the? Yeah. No the, and, just uh, like Grateful Dead. Right. Right. And... Um, and we don't know much about it. They, they had that cool video with the, mm-hmm. the jam uh, that I think they played that song at the like the man lock uh, the man soundtrack. But I don't know what yeah, it is. I, I forget who um, somebody on Twitter. Yeah, that guy's out. awesome, and I'm drawing yeah. a blank on it. But um, I know mm-hmm. I retweeted him, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get it right uh, yep. and retweet him again. <laughs> so um, <laughs> and apologize. Yeah, and then apologize. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of excited for it. I'm, I'm a Fish album guy. I think that even the songs that people weren't loving will will probably come off better on the studio arrangements. And uh, and I think there's more songs that we haven't heard. So excited! Are you, All right. Do you like uh, Fish albums? No. Yeah, Jonathan, I'm definitely interested in the um, in the new album. And and I think it was cool. The Fuego album. I was really um, drawn to the the album cover artwork. Um, and that exposed me to Paco Pome. I hadn't heard of him before, so I thought that was really cool. Um, and then this one too is a is an artist, um, and that picture I thought was really cool. It, it we were tweeting them or texting about it, like we had to look at it a bunch of times to figure out what it was and zoom in and all that. And it's really cool. And that, and that Chinese artist, I think, is what Scotty B says um, has a bunch of other artwork similar, like symmetrical artwork. So I thought that 
I was drawn to those two things. So it's cool. But obviously <laughs> the music is going to be great. Yeah, music too. But <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere on there, right? There are cool covers. Um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, what else? Do we want to talk about Lockin' real quick, chronologically, and then we'll get yeah, let's to the do other it. stuff? Okay. So tell us uh, um, Lockin'. Well, I guess first question is, what other than Fish, what were the highlights for you? Uh, well, there's a lot of good music. So I saw J-Rad for the first time, and they were fun. A little... Um, Late? A little up-tempo <laughs> for yeah, me. Yeah. But um, I think I said it somewhere else. It's kind of like the intersection of Grateful Dead lovers and cocaine fans. It's like, <laughs> it's like the perfect mix. Um, but... <laughs> I am not one of those, so mm-hmm. um, or I am just one of those. So, anyway, so, yes. but we enjoyed. I got down front for the first of their sets, and it was it was a lot of fun. And uh, see, my morning jacket, the first time I'd seen them, and they're great. And uh, yeah, they really did bring it on Saturday night. I did enjoy enjoy Ween, and they did uh, play uh, Poop Ship, not Poop Ship Connection, <laughs> no, poop not ship the Poop Destroyer. <laughs> Yes, they did play it though. Uh, if they would have played the Poop Ship Connection, you know they would. They were listening, I guess. The Ween fans said that the show was fairly brown, and that's supposed to be good. And uh, mm. what else? I, I like you know. I love Circles Around the Sun, uh, Crying Bin. I, I'm probably mm-hmm. getting that wrong. They're out on tour now. They just kicked off their first ever tour here in DC, but I, I didn't go in uh, because of reasons and. They were amazing. They were really great to see uh, late night in the woods. But uh, also the fish played. Yeah. So and fish was, as we talked about, a little different Friday night, Sunday night. You know, tell us tell us about it. Was it summer tour? Was it not like summer tour? It was not like summer tour. Yeah. So something happened. And I've been trying to write about this and quantify it. I might go into greater length in written word later, but something kind of went down i don't know if people they had gave each other a talking to they listened back to shows and recognized some things or just got rest and rehearsal and i'm not sure what but they came back to lock in they played you know virtually none of the new songs it really tightened up the set list structure and that they they stuck to big bangers they didn't all get long there were not a lot of big jams at lock in but yeah it seemed like they were they were playing with a, a Aside from a few gaffes on Friday, they were playing with some renewed energy. And come Sunday, you know, I felt like Trey was trying to answer the other all the guitar players. You know, we'd seen Gary Clark Jr. earlier that night. Uh, Neil Casal backed uh, Phil and and Chris Robinson before that. And you know, there was a lot of guitar slinging on stage. And Trey came out and had to show his own. So they they didn't super stretch a lot, but they were he was. He was wailing, and everybody was playing. Yeah. Really well. So I think well, they set the stage really well for what came a week later. So set two of the Sunday night show was it was big, and it was really cool. And it, yeah. it goes to what you were saying, but I really enjoyed the the tweezer into no quarter, two thousand one hood, all those things. Um, oh yeah, it's. I mean, you, like it, it goes to exactly what you were saying that he's they were there to rock and roll. So and fuck yeah. your face in the first set's always a, a treat. It's a good sign. And again, it was that was all go back and listen to that first set and it's just all guitar slinging. Trey is just mm-hmm. he's playing really well. They're not stretching, but it's it's hot. Everybody everybody's playing well, but Trey is right, right there with them. It's hot and fairly tight. Um and if they hadn't gone on to Dick's five days later, we'd be talking more about these shows, I think. Because there's still a step up quite a bit from 
the average on the summer tour? The the ghost and the gin, uh, the first night, second set, I enjoyed a lot. Okay. I'm always a huge fan of the, the punch opener. So, um, yeah, it was it was a good weekend, and I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed that you got to watch Saturday night for free. Everything was free, and you got to watch it all. I woke up, I think, Friday night or Saturday night <laughs> at like 1 in the morning here in Phoenix, and J-Rad was still playing, which I don't know if they were replaying it or something happened or I paused it. But I'm well, like, it's 4 o'clock in the morning there. There's no way he's still playing. They played kind of late, I think. Yeah. I, I definitely did not stay through that whole thing. We stayed off-site at a cabin. Anybody who followed our uh, Instagram saw me uh, post some pictures of the truck driving yeah. back and forth. Um, it was a bit of space trucking back and forth between the cabin and the lock-in. And the... Yeah. So I, I didn't make it through that whole set. I was exhausted. and uh, Sure, it was, sure. It was cool, but... Um, yeah. I'm you old. can't do an all day thing into the night that late. It's just you're gonna you're gonna pay for it the next day. I did, right? <laughs> but in the jacuzzi. So. Oh, good. That's, yeah, yeah. So. Too bad for you. Yeah, it's a damn. Sweet. So, any I mean, any other things you highlights you want to talk about? Um, I thought it was fun, and that's my opinion. Well, I mean, that's paramount, isn't it? <laughs> all right. So, um, put on a highlight from that, and then when we come back, we can uh, we can talk to Mike. Your choice. Yeah, let's do that.
right, so we're back. That was uh, some some jams from Lockin, um, and we're back with Mike. <laughs> we're back from with Mike, our uh, one of our favorite guests, the return guest, the at Lawn Memo, otherwise known as the Daily Ghost, otherwise known as the Lead Up to Dicks guy. Mike, what's what's up, man? Welcome back, guys. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. It's always always fun being here, and we we got a lot to talk about after that run. Yeah, it was, it, we do, we do. Um, uh, but again, thanks for organizing the uh, lead up to Dicks. Um, I really enjoy that, and I think a lot of people come have like come to anticipate or, or enjoy it, you know. So, good stuff, man. Thank you, Definitely. thank you. So, tell us about Dicks. When did you arrive in Denver, and uh, where did you stay, and all those all those good deets? Uh, I got in and Wednesday this year. I've been trying to make a point to get in a little bit earlier every year because there's just so much to do in Denver. And one of my good friends actually got married on Thursday in Denver. Nice. So I attended my first Jewish wedding, which was uh, very eye-opening and pretty awesome. And we had a blast. They had a uh, some guys from Dead Fish Orchestra, and we had a full Grateful Dead fish jam party. And it was it was great. We had a great time. So that was Thursday night. So the weekend was already off to a really good start. And yeah, that's then, a pretty hot start. Sweet. Yeah, it was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah. We and were congratulations like to your friends. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Maya and Jordan. Uh, they're pretty right. cool people. Big big fish fans. So, uh, and then got back in, and from there on, it was full. Let's go to Dicks and let's do it up. And the the guys certainly brought it. I am. I'm very, very impressed with what went down over the weekend. All right, that was a nice summary. Thanks. No, You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, do you think it it stands alone and it's going to stand the test of time, or do you think it was highlighted by what people consider to be a down summer? Uh, no, I definitely think that is a, a run that will definitely stand the test of time. I have been listening a lot over the last couple of days. I plan on, I did a whole Dick's ranking series where I ranked all 15 shows i'm going to update that next week and i think this run is all the way up there with 2012 is like a 1a and 1b all depends on your preference for what you're looking for in a show but from start to finish from ghost all the way to walls in the cave it's probably the strongest run from every song that's been played day by day by day set by set by set it's absolutely incredible i think I don't think you're wrong. It's peak fish. If only they'd play Cracklin' Rosie, it'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, and I certainly was uh, was one of the people that... Uh, it wasn't my favorite summer. I did like some shows, and I like some parts of shows, but overall, I thought it was a down summer. It wasn't really my cup of tea. I'm, I'm definitely more of a guy that looks for jams. And a lot of shows that I went to, they were few and far between. Um, so this was an entirely different band for me. This was a throwback to last summer, to fall 2013. Uh, I don't know what made them change mind other than that they have such a great history at Dick's. I do think Lockin was a really nice bridge. I thought that was a really important thing for to get a couple shows. I thought they came out and, and attacked it pretty well. It had some big jams for a festival. And I think the two days was very important to get their feet wet again. You know, they take a couple weeks break get a couple shows in and that kind of springboarded them into Denver in my opinion. So I think Lockett was a really good thing for them. I definitely agree there. I think they, um, I, I said it er earlier, so I won't harp on it, but I, I think they made a decision to do something a little different and, uh, started implementing it at Lockett and it really, really happened at Dick's. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. And, uh, we also talked about this earlier. 
Jonathan, there was a lot of other musicians they hung around with at Lock-In. I know Trey watched the Ween set and all that stuff. Um, it, that seemed to clicked or made them turn it up a notch, too. I think it's definitely a fair point. So, Mike, um, I will say, though, I've heard a lot about Dix, and this is, you've been to all of the shows there. Is that correct? Yeah. That's correct. I am one of the lucky guys and or lady. I'm not a lady, but there are a couple uh, that have been to all 18 of all 18, and I can't even imagine missing a show there. Yeah, that's pretty great. So um, how has the scene changed around these shows over the years? Has it been kind of static? I mean, I, I, I think it's the h- highest fish show, right? Altitude wise, I think, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I think I think it hits both. I think it is the highest altitude, and uh, as far as everything I've seen, it is also the weed highest show that I've been to. <laughs> um, it's over the years when I got there in 2011. Um, you know, Fish was in a different place then as well. Um, they had a really great run at UIC before Dixon 2011, and then 2011 we didn't really know what to make of it. I mean, we had done Red Rocks and. You know, that was kind of the, the staple out there. So this was the soccer stadium, and nobody knew really knew what to think. But it's the tour capper, so that brings people out. And plus, it's Denver, and it's one of the, the nicest cities in the country. So I think it was it was fun that year. The S show, they came right out. Firing is one of my favorite shows and experiences I've ever been at. That was just something incredible. And I think that put that on the map. The rest of that run was excellent, capped by the last night, which is an outstanding show. Um, so it it really put it on the map, and of course, 2012 was absolutely groundbreaking. It was something that the band hadn't really done, and those obviously those shows stand the test of time with anything they've done from this era. So I think first two years, the way they played was incredible. Um, so from there, 2013, 2014 were good. 2015, legal weed. I think that really did change things. I mean, it's a different vibe now. Everybody flies, yeah. yeah for, everybody flies in from all over the country. The first thing they do, they want to go buy weed and experience that. And it's like walking into a Seven Eleven. They got everything on the shelf. You could buy whatever you want, and you have twenty six thousand fans that all did the same thing when they got to Denver. So there's just a little bit of weed <laughs> flying around during the shows. You bring everything that you bought, and everybody around you has everything they bought, and everybody shares, and everybody gets pretty high. Uh, and that. Also, is just a, it's just a cool vibe. There's a great shakedown at Dick's. The sight lines are great. And I, I actually noticed an increase in the sound this year. Uh, I do some shows from the stands, some shows from the floor. And in the stands, it was loud. It was awesome. And you can see very well from anywhere you go. The GA is an amazing thing. You got the floor. You got the stands. It's so easy to be with all your friends that fly in from all over the country. That's just it's the way to go. I wish every venue would do that. Great, great craft beer selections. They have some Odell's, mm-hmm. Dale's Pale Ale there. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much got everything. The staff is very friendly. You walk in with a backpack. All they do is touch the outside. You know, it's a very laid-back atmosphere there. And I do think it's like the destination on the fish tour now where when I go to that show, I, when I'm talking to people, it's people from all over the country. It's not just local Denver people. Where you go to, you know, when I go to shows in Rochester, or Buffalo, there's a lot of local people that are just, oh, I'll try this fish thing. I'll get retarded and do some drugs. Uh, where in Denver, it just seems to be like the the people that really follow fish. Very awesome conversations with people at shows. You can hear pin drop around you. It's serious, serious fans, and it just makes. I think that helps the vibe. Sweet. Well, I might have to get there sometime. Uh, you definitely do. Jonathan, you've never been? No. 
Oh, no. bro, we might have to kick you off the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. That's a wonderful place. I agree with what you say. And um, also got to throw in there like the outdoor environment, the hikes you can take, the mountains, the places you can go up in the mountains. It's just, it's incredible. like, a, it, yeah, incredible it's a food and coffee. And I mean, it's a, it, they have it all. It's, a, it's an awesome city. And I think it's one of the fastest growing or largest growing or whatever it is um, past couple of years. So there's a reason for that too, right? Yep. I've done some hikes out there. Like you said, it's, it's unbelievable. There, there's, I wish I could spend two, three weeks out there every year, but I got a job. Let's get into the music, man. Um, you mentioned the opener ghost, which I'm sure is exciting for you. They've done it before yeah, um, a couple of years ago. at Dick's. So that's really, yeah, the all shows spell something mm-hmm. set um, or show. So, uh, good stuff. Um, but I thought them just going ghost and then no man's was like, forget about it. You know, it was on, you know, it absolutely. I think, um, as far as I can remember in this era, I can't remember an opening 25 minutes. That was that groundbreaking, uh, ghost was solid. It's not going to be anything that uh, makes my top ghost list, but I mean, with the no man's, when they broke into that second, um, that changed everything. I mean, that was 25 minutes of jamming. I I went to some shows this summer. I didn't think they jammed for 25 minutes the entire show. <laughs> right. So I mean, hashtag you're already, micro jams. <laughs> you're already in uncharted waters, and um, from then on, you know, the rest of the set was really good, and it just uh, it went on from there. And obviously, from then, they decided not to play any ballads in any of the second sets. So you had three straight days mm-hmm. with no ballads, and no I mean, cool that down, made, man. Yeah, there, that makes a difference. I mean, I like jams, but when you don't have a time to take a breather, it just the it just continues to build. And I felt like, you know, night one was incredible. I was like, here we go. This is the fish that I love. Night two built on that, and night three built on that even more. I just kept, felt like it was one big opus that started with Ghost of No Man's and went all the way through. It just was it was a master craftsmanship of of three days. It was unbelievable. It's funny. I find myself listening to like the last, the third night, second set, and the first night, first set. <laughs> like I yeah. go back and forth the past couple of days. So yeah. And the second night, first set is absolutely no joke either. I mean, they right. come out with the first four songs of that night. Slave. I love the Down with Disease. That's rocking. Mm-hmm. And then to go into What's the Use, which was an incredibly right. well played version, and Maze. Like I mean, I I've seen second sets that aren't that good. I mean, that was. What's incredible. the use from a from a dead stop too? Yeah, is, yeah, they, the first you know, one in a long yeah. time. But yeah, so that, slave was the craziest opener I have ever seen in my life. I was well, not I mean, there they hadn't in done 1988. It with yeah, yeah, it wasn't there in uh when they did it. But I was like, I wonder if they're just going to walk off the show because it feels like the show's over after <laughs> slave. You know, it was uh, yeah. it was the weirdest feeling ever, but it was so cool. I and then you know after um, after that finished, I was just like, that was crazy, but it was so cool. So, you know, Mike, you said that you, you thought the sound was even more dialed in. I thought it's been great every time I've been there. But yeah. I wonder if that goes to them being comfortable there. Even the sound guys are comfortable there. They've been yeah, there I, so often now, and it's kind of like they know it's there. They know it's coming. They prepare for it or whatever. So They've already I, played 15 shows in the room. You know? Yeah, right, I, think, right. I think that's 100% correct. And um, I, it's just like for me, I mean, now that this is that was my sixth year going, I know what to do in Denver. I know where to go, how to do it. And I think the band's doing the same thing. Once you build that familiarity, you know, it, it only gets better. Well, I, I, I subscribe to that theory. 
So. Totally agree. So it's good stuff. And um, once again, we don't have very many negative things to say, and we're sorry for the people that are looking for the drama, you know? <laughs> if you well, I was drama really in that, pissed. you need to recheck yourself. I was really pissed <laughs> they didn't play Miss You uh, any of the last five shows. Yeah, well, you're going to get it on the album, it looks yeah. like. So, yeah. Of course you are. With horns, oh man! Hot highlights, and uh, and then maybe uh, you could propose something for us to play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I think um, you know we obviously talked about Ghost No Man. Um, you know the rest of that first set was was cool. The ass handed swinging dicks. You know they love to make the jokes and it's hilarious. But uh, one to sleep on for me is the forty six days that closed that first set. It's got yeah. a lot of interesting territory. They went and find in a very short period of time. Um, we haven't had a good 46 days this whole summer after a, a banner year for uh, last year. So I was very happy to see that. And then, you know, the second set, we get the return to Mercury that I, for one, was really excited for. It's such a, cool, such a cool song. And uh, it was a, a solid version. And then the seven below, Birds of the Feather, I thought was really cool. Really cool segue from that, I thought. And then uh, I have been tweeting about this tweezer for uh, probably three or four days. I've listened to it over 20 times. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's it's pure heat from the moment it starts, and the peak is so organic and creative. It doesn't sound like the typical fish peak. It's got some interesting stuff to it, and it just blows everything out of the water. And the fact that it's fourth quarter like it is, nobody was expecting that. You're sitting there. You're like, okay, we're going to get our typical run through. They come out with the best tweezer of the summer in the fourth quarter. I think that was the point. You know, I knew it was cool when No Man's finished, and we were like, holy cow, that was 25 minutes. But when you get that tweezer in the fourth quarter, that that's that shows you the amount of energy they have. And I think that was a oh, yeah. huge point for where I was like, I think if I was not in Denver, I'd be trying to get there the next two nights. Um, Dude, that I think was huge. The, beginning of the, the beginning of the tweezer, the first fucking – progression or whatever you knew they were on it was yeah it was upbeat trey had the trey had the effects different um his tone was different and it was it was like quarter speed compared to what it was doing so i couldn't agree more it was yeah. it was awesome so cool good stuff a week good. Good. great show i mean you got a lot of jams you have ghost no man's 46 seven below birds tweezer mm-hmm. i mean that's all in one show and then, you know, the filler is Wombat and Susie Greenberg and Antelope yeah. and that second set. It's all upbeat stuff. I mean, there's there's no break there. It's awesome. Brad, um, you mentioned tone. Yeah. I think somewhere in here we need to go ahead and mention what was observed uh, by many, which is that Trey has changed guitar amps. He's ditched the Mesa Boogie, and he's yeah. back to the, uh, was it the reverb, the, the Fender. And um, and it, you can you can hear it. Uh, I, I think everybody did hear it. So, and a uh, quick shout out also to the new uh, TraysGuitarRig.com and at TraysGuitarRig on the on the Twitters, uh, who's trying to put some more of that information together for us. And it's they know a lot of that stuff, man. I have yeah. no idea. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's fun reading, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, then uh, night two, I you know I got to admit I I streamed night one and night three live and listened to all of them immediately. You know the next day. Uh, a couple of times, but after night three, I only went back to night three. Um, not that the others aren't good. I just I couldn't get off of night three. Uh, so well, I got I got off, but it was in a different different way. Actually, uh, <laughs> so um, tell us about night two. You get arrested for that shit, dude. <laughs> not in Italy. Uh, yeah, night night well, our night two is a, is a beast. I mean, we already talked about that opening segment of four songs. I mean, that was. 
I still can't get over that actually happened. Uh, and then you go, Wolfman's was excellent yet again, another great Wolfman's. Um, and then, I mean, really, you have Farmhouse 555, Divided Sky, and Rock and Roll. I mean, that's just a blistering first set. Probably my first overall favorite first set uh, I can remember in a long time, other than maybe the Fuck Your Face show, um, because that just had some crazy jams. But this was, that's a beast of a first set. You put that first set with Night 3 second set, and I think uh, we talk about that for the entire Dude, the, year. The world would explode, probably. Yeah, Everything exactly. Would just fall, everybody just fall over. Yep. So then, um, unbelievable first set. You know, it was, uh, we go into the second set, and it's, again, it's all killer, no filler. It's Fuego is a nice opener. Sand is, is solid in that two-hole. And then the meat of the show is the Blaze On Simple. I really like the Blaze On. I think it gets lost in the simple a little bit, but I yeah. think the Blaze On is really cool. I actually wish it would have got a couple more minutes, but that's, that's you know, whatever. That's nitpicking. The, it's a great, <laughs> great jam, um, and it's very unique, and it's good to see Blazon get a little bit more love after an unbelievable summer it had last year. The Simple was cool, and actually really cool marimba jam. Didn't think that was going to happen. Ever. One of the best yets, man, yeah, for sure. I mean, probably uh, the best yet, I think. Yeah, I would I would say it's the best, best yet by far, and um, it was super cool. And it actually kept the flow going, and Mike absolutely kills it during that marimba jam. He comes up with this lick that I, I'm i still blown away by. And um, from that point on, you know, it was pretty much the Mike show. I think he was the MVP of the run. He was unbelievable. Uh, and then you get a, a really nice, uh, good twist. Uh, theme is a good song that carries energy from, you know, the song that it receives and builds it to the next song. And then 2001, of course, uh, obviously, like, my favorite song ever. So that was awesome. And a really good hood. Uh, the hood was excellent to close. And then, of course, I think, really um, cool. Oh, sorry, Brad. Go ahead. No, no. Let, let me just throw in there really quick. Um, the sand in the first set was, like, that's when you knew shit wasn't wasn't right. Like, dude, first set, <laughs> lazy, first set, sand. <laughs> this that's is true. Amazing, that's true. Right? Um, really? <laughs> okay yeah one of my favorites always um and then i agree with the blaze on i was hoping if we're, i want to get some you know we got to get some negative stuff in here uh the blaze on just wasn't good enough for me pick those nits just like true fish fans yeah i think it was pretty good yeah uh, like and then the encore was obviously very memorable with uh score mccoyle and mike getting a bass solo to close that was pretty it was pretty gorgeous. hilarious. Yeah, it was cool. It was funny. It was different. Ha, yay, but also beautiful. Yeah, and I love how he did the coil theme at the very end. Yeah. That, you know, Paige always plays at the very end, and then he went back to it. It was cool. He nailed it. No doubt, no doubt Mike took the weekend, even though Trey's playing so well. Mike took the weekend, um, and he um, – did, did you see the shout-out from um, – Brownstein, the, the bassist from Disco Biscuits, like he posted on his Facebook or something about like how much he admires Mike and how much um, how great he is and how much he practices and just like this like diatribe about how great Mike is and it was it was really cool to read another bassist say that about him because right. it's it's how I feel but I, I I don't know what the fuck you know I don't I don't know why he's so good so well you know maybe it's he's maybe he's why Trey's so good on these maybe he's pushing and Trey's feeling it and responding properly I, I certainly think that's true i think he's at his peak i think he's never sounded better and um when he gets the reins and he takes over 
they go places, and he did a lot of that this 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 run, and I think you see the results. I mean, Trey is is much different than he used to be. He obviously can't, you know, absolutely flamethrow like he did in the '90s, but he's different. And when he when he takes a nice lead like he did in a lot of shows, but he also lets the the first the band, I think that's when we get the best fish of this era. And I think I think he re- he recognized just how good his base partner is right now and i think he did a lot of deferring in this run and we were lucky enough to see the results of that so then we get to the last night and uh i was lucky enough to have actual good call on the twitter i called the chalk dust opener in the two hole i was expecting it to go a lot deeper than it actually did um, but it was still very cool it was finished rocking and then, you know, I thought like the first two nights it was going to go deep, but it was still very cool there. And then we get a really cool Mike's groove after that. Uh, you know, Mike's song was excellently played. And then Wingsuit, I love it. I think it's really cool. And Trey yes. slays the end of that. And, uh, you know, Weekapaw was absolutely crushed. It was probably, you know, up there with the bathtub gin that follows my highlight of that first set. Uh, party time was good. Very cool. I like that. I think it keeps the energy going. Split open and melt has been pretty much exactly the same as it's been the rest of this uh, this 1.0 here. Just a lot of tension and doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, tube was great. Tube was cool. I mean, tube was like eight minutes long, and I thought it got really cool. Yeah. So I want to I want to take it back um, to that uh, to that to that split open and melt. Actually, I think that was while not extended, was one of the better ones of 3.0. I think they, they got weird, a lot of good tension, and they landed it, which is... You, you know they're on. You don't expect yeah. that to happen. with. Yeah, it, I, I would you know, agree with that. Yeah, out. sure. I, I think that, you know, while it's not a... Um, I don't know, what was that? The Cincinnati 99 or something that I listened to last week on the PTLP, but uh, it, it was, you know, it... it kind of gets there and i think you know we're not too far maybe hopefully not too far away from a really really big one really Good. big one so I, I just think that uh with that with with the melts they all kind of have been they all defer to that tension and it's all been very similar i agree with you that the landing and the way it went is a little bit better i just would like to see them go a little bit different what is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I just think it's been repetitive. I mean, I think you could put 10 in a row and they all do almost the same thing. You're right that a lot of them fail on the landing. Um, I just I just would like a little bit more variety. At least, you know, like the SPAC one a couple of years ago, that was, that was 18 minutes. That was cool. They absolutely botched the ending of that, but it was still, you know, at least they tried to go somewhere different. Smelt is such a huge vehicle. You know, uh, it was super cool, so... Uh, you know, a lot of them go way off the rails and don't really yeah. like stay together. Um, and uh, but but this one this one came down, and then we got you guys. You point out, you know, we got like medium tube, not big tube, but medium tube. <laughs> yeah, and um, which I think we're gonna have to enjoy those. Yeah, so, it's eight minutes still. I mean, a, yeah, a, a, you know, exciting tube. Yeah, and they're, and, and they're they, taking the past three for walks. You know what I mean? They've the uh, the one in um, San Diego and 
in this one too. So, and, and I mean, you got you got to remember with Tube, it's it's only about a minute of composed at the beginning. So when it's yeah. eight minutes, it's a, like six minutes of actual jamming. So right, you yeah. know, and, you and when you're inside it, when you're at the show inside it, it feels like a lot longer. Sure. I mean, how many sure. people come out of those out of those three tubes? were like, wow, how long was that? And they're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. really? Yep. So we're trained though. We're like Pop, Pavlov's dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anything more than four is really awesome and long. <laughs> So then, then of course, the set two, in my opinion, which is right up there with any set two I have seen from this era. Um, it's six songs, and they all work together, and you have three huge jams in that set. So half of the jams are huge, and then the other ones are Steam, Lizards, and First Tube. So, I mean, what what else are you looking for in Fish? I, I can't. Imagine anything else. Uh, you start off with one of the all-time crowd favorites in Cross-Eyed and Painless, and boy, does that sucker rip. I mean, when they break, it is full speed ahead, and it has some of the coolest peaks they have thrown down in quite a while. Um, I don't know what you guys thought. I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, it was it was immense. I mean, this is the thing that I have kept going back to, and, um, you know, and they did too. They kept going back to the Cross-Eyed all night long, and it, it, it was paying off in spades, um, but it, it's, this is this is what we sign up for, right? This is the thing that everybody goes to these shows and comes home, not these shows, but they go to shows and they come home all summer long going, well, they didn't, well, here they did. Here they did. Right here is where they did. For Agreed. sure. And I think, it, you know, it, we should touch, you, you mentioned the teases from there on. I actually, you know, they have been doing the cross-eyed thing quite a bit lately. They did it at the Gorge. I liked it a little bit better here. It just seemed more organic. It didn't seem as forced. There was a lot of exploration, and and they would always just kind of find that that little subtle cross eye tease. It was brilliant. It was brilliant how they executed it. Yeah, sometimes it wasn't so subtle, but it was it was smooth how they got there. Correct. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> then they played Steam, which had been kind of absent. It's not mm-hmm. not seeing that enough, and so that was really nice to get um, to get back to. I. I was, um, this is on the East Coast. This show ran kind of late for old people like me, and I sure. was glued to the stream. I, I could not not watch it, and it was so good. When they, hit, when they hit steam, I was on my feet excited, and I'm sure you guys were too. Sure. Killer segue, too. It was really well yeah. worked in, and the steam tray has one of the dirtiest tones he has found. It just has that extra oomph to it. Very cool placement. It's it's well placed. It didn't seem like they they ripped the cross eyed. It worked organically into the steam. Smooth, smooth. It's when they're on. It never feels like they're ripping. It feels like that jam had run its course. Bam into steam. And of course, from there we get the piper, and the piper is another great, great segue. It goes you know 100 miles an hour like piper does, and then it stops. They explore, and then we get the crazy drum segment um, that some people like. Some people hate. Um, so ah. I, I think it's cool. I love when they go for whatever they're trying to go. As long as they're jamming and they're going for it, I'm on board. You know, let them take some chances. What's the most important for me is when they came back from the drums. Right. Because that three-minute segment is ridiculous. It is dirty. It is nasty. And it is awesome. I ran into the aisle and started headbanging, headbanging on the rail. <laughs> it was like it just fueled me. It was awesome. 
Um, so the Piper is another, you know, big jam. And then I think the most important song, actually, the more I've listened to the set, is The Light. I think The Light couldn't have been placed any better. It's such a, a good transition from Piper and uh, when we get to Lizards, see that great transition as well. But that light is well-placed. It's got such that great history, of course, in 2012 with the Dick's Light. Uh, you know, it has, has some familiarity, you know, to us that have been there. And it's a great, great jam. It's so smooth. It's very receptive. It's, it's, it's cool. It's laid back. And then it has kind of this dirty, cool peak at the end. It's, it's, I really love that light. The more I listen to it, it's, I really, really, really enjoy it. I don't know what you thought of it, Jay. I, man, I, I loved it. It's, it's gorgeous. You know, they gave us one at, um, Lock-In as well, and I like that there, but it, it's such, sometimes it feels like light is a little forced into the spot, you know, they, they get, do a jam, it winds down, and Trey starts playing. It doesn't have the, always have the smoothest of intros, but um, but this one it was placed well. It just it worked really well right here. And then and the jam was good. And then and then lizards. And I gotta say, I saw one guy on on the Twitter. No, it wasn't on Twitter. Um, where we would have all shamed him. I think complained about lizards. It's like ah, and then lizards. Shut up. Yeah, uh, people <laughs> people travel around the country to see lizards. So uh, right. When you get it, it's a treat, and it's one of the great songs in the in the Fish catalog. And yeah. it's and when you're at it, it's one of the most fun show, songs to see. Everybody's like hugging and loving life, and you, you know when Trey goes into the solo, you can hear a pin drop. Everybody closes their eyes and just fades away. I mean, it, Lizards elevates any set for me immediately, and I'm a jam guy, oh, yeah. so it, it's just such an amazing Fish song. And I thought first tube after that was just like the best closer they could have came up with and it had some extra sauce so yeah it, i'd rather it, see that there than in the encore slot as well yeah I, I and i it was i mean so you look at that set the six songs it's absolutely perfect in my opinion i wouldn't have changed anything and i will listen to that set for the rest of my life it's incredible <laughs> it's one of the best sets of of this of this entire era um and i think it stands up with a lot from from the best era from the 90s so it's it's something that uh, it has a lot of replayability. It was amazing live, and you know it's 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 what we go to fish for, as we said before. And cool encore, Walls of the Cave, I thought was cool. I think um, oh, yeah. very different. Um, they always rock it. It's such a you know it, it eases you in with the the slow intro, and then you know Trey shredded his face off, and we all went <laughs> back and tried to figure out what the hell we had seen for three days and try to grasp uh, just how good a band we are seeing in 33 years of their existence. Well, I think you just about covered it. I, I think they're, they, uh, they really deliver, and I don't know, maybe they just want to make sure everybody gets all of the fall tour tickets they can, but that's the cynical view. But uh, Sure. I, I'll take it. If this, is what, if this is what they think they have to do, then... Let, yeah, let I, I'll buy them if that's what uh, I'll buy them all if that's what they want to do. It shows that I'm at. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll run a fundraiser. Holy crap, what a run! Um, so, just one cool point that I tried to point out that uh, I happened to notice that I wanted to touch on is they have done a bust out opener every single year that they have been at yep. Dick's. The first year was May. Um, hadn't been played in quite a long time. Uh, I have it up here. Mays last played in '95 as an opener. 
The second year was Antelope, hadn't been played since 1990 in the opener spot. Ghost in 2013, we all, obviously a cool song. We all like that one. Uh, that was played in 98 last. Curtain Width was uh, in ni- 98, I believe. Landlady, 94. And then Slave, as we touched on, 1988. Incredible. Yeah. So I think that's a cool thing that they've been doing that maybe not everybody's noticed. Every year they seem to throw out one bust-out opener. So I, I have noticed that, and I think it's super cool. I think the uh, the... And the width was 88, actually. 88, yeah, that's I'm looking right. at the yep. gaps here, and it's it's greater than, but less. it's less than the slave, but greater than right. the slope. So, yeah. 1988, yep, I looked at the wrong. That's no problem. Um, and it's awesome. That's, 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 a, that's a good point. I don't think, um, I'm sure somebody, somebody else might have noticed it, maybe, but I haven't seen anybody bring it up. So, uh, you got it. That's All right. pretty awesome. So, um if you had to pick one thing for us to play next for our next guest, what would it be? I got to go with the tweezer. <laughs> I right. got to go with the tweezer peak, man. Uh, I would, I would be pumped if someone played an intro of that tweezer for me. Cause I would be like, well, this guy's going to be nasty. Cause <laughs> obviously, so that's what I would pick. There's a million things. I mean, the, the takeaways that you have from the three nights, I have like 25 things on my playlist. That's right. Incredible. It's just so it's so bursting with amazing jams that uh, it was such a good time. Awesome. Well, um, I'm glad you had an amazing time, and um, I, I really want to thank you for coming on here. I've had a really good time talking with you about these shows, and you got me yeah, very Jay. excited to go back and listen to them all again. Sure, sure. Yeah, Jay and Brett, it's always a pleasure. And RJ, you weren't with us today, but uh, you do a great job over there too. Yeah, I do have one quick thing that. If people weren't there, um, they might want to know about because I thought it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. When you parked your car this year, it was $20 cash or $15 credit card. I saw that. The craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm imagining that these people that are making $8 an hour are skimming off the top. That would be my only thing. But um, it was crazy. I've never seen that before. I just We had a good laugh over that for quite a while. Yeah, that's... um. Extremely unusual. So I saw a sign about that, a photo of one of the signs, and it's, it's yeah. crazy. So, um, well, hey, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, let everybody know, of course, they can find you uh, at Lawn Memo on the Twitters. And that's uh, also my website, lawnmemo.com. There you go. And uh, there's a lot of great stuff on both of those folks, so uh, check them out. And, uh, well, we're going to play some music, and we'll be back. So thanks a lot. Thanks, guys.
Hey, and welcome back. And uh, Brad had to step away, so it's just me. And I'm now talking with Becky, who is at Becky May with three Ys on the Twitter. And Becky was also at Dick's, and she's going to share some of her experience with us. Hi, Becky. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on. So this was your first experience at Dick's, was that yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. It was my first experience at Dick's. I bought my tickets on like July 20th. I just decided on a whim that I wasn't missing it this year. Cool, cool. Well, uh, it's a pretty good call on your part, I think. Are you East Coast? Where are you flying from? Yeah, okay. yeah I live in Philly now, so I catch like pretty much most of the shows in the Philly area. I've never flown to see fish before, so it was a new experience for me. Exciting. Um, yeah, it was actually, so it's not, I'm not like a seasoned vet, I'd say. I'd <laughs> see, I've seen like, I think Dix was 16, 17, and 18 for me, so. Okay. No, that's I cool. made the adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's awesome. Um, I, I think I, I started traveling. Actually, I think my second show I traveled to Philly. So, um, but you gotta you gotta get there sometime. And living in Philly, you get a fair number of good shows. So definitely, we. I mean, the man shows were all, were fun this summer and last summer. And I'm close enough that I can usually get to MSG. I've never been to Meriwether, but um, I've heard that that's. Uh, yeah. An experience, but now I don't know if they're going to be stopping there that much. Yeah, it's all right. I, I hate that place. <laughs> they play good shows, but I hate that place. So, um, I may be the minority, but so um, let's talk about this. So, the, I guess the theme that we've kind of found in this podcast is that summer tour, having been uh, maybe not everybody's favorite, you know, the four weeks of summer tour um, led to a break and then lock in, which was uh, a step up. And then Dix was, you know, uh, so far folks are telling us it was a, you know, an outstanding kind of event. Um, are you, are you on board with that or do you yeah. have opinion? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I caught three shows this summer, so I saw both the man shows and then I went up to Portland, Maine, which is actually where I'm from. Cool. And I was a little bit not disappointed because I'm in the boat of uh, like even bad fish is better than no fish. Sure. So I wasn't I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but looking back, those shows were probably like a little bit subpar. So I was happy to get to go to Dick's and see like three of probably the most incredible high energy shows that I've ever seen. So, yes, I would definitely agree with that sentiment. So tell us a little bit about your um, your experience in Denver and at the shows, uh, you know, with the scene and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So Denver, it was my first time in Denver and Colorado also. Um, cool. And I mean, I've never traveled. Like I said, I've never traveled to see fish. I've never flown an airplane to see fish. And the, just being in Denver, it was like a destination. I mean, it, it's how I would imagine like a huge destination festival or party or Mexico would be. Um, you know, we were everywhere. We infiltrated the city. Everywhere you looked, there was like Fishman Donuts and tour shirts. And you could just see the scene there with like people enjoying themselves and having fun in the city. Um, I mean, we like caught up with people. Outside. We stayed in downtown Denver because we wanted to like explore the city a little bit. So we were a little right. bit further away from the venue. And, you know, we see people like outside of our hotel and we try to like coordinate Uber rides with them because <laughs> you could just tell that there was fans everywhere. And that it was like a really fun city and a really fun experience to be at. So, um, the, yeah, the city and the destination aspect of it was awesome. And, you know, on top of that, that Denver, of course, like now they have legal weed. So it makes everything like a lot more chill. And 
it's really fun to, I guess, go into the dispensary, like it's a liquor store and just kind of pick out your own whatever and head to the show. Cool. And um, so how about those shows? Uh, you, you know, we, we, we've kind of broken down pretty detailed, but let's talk about, you know, your highlights and the things you loved. Um, yeah. Anything you hated? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's go into the experience a little bit more because oh, sure. Dixon, it's, Dixon itself, like the venue is ridiculous too, because I mean, the, like when we got there for the tailgater, like the first night I was on my own. So I took one of the party buses from the, um, Cervantes masterpiece theater. All right. Um, so you get there and it's just like a complete happy experience as, as much as I would imagine a festival feels like where it's just like a complete, oasis of fish fans just having a good time the shakedown street is like huge it's like a whole parking lot big so you could get lost in there um they it's perfect so we stayed in downtown denver and we didn't rent a car so the first night i took the party bus and the second and third night my brother actually flew out from boston so i went to the second and third night with my brother and um we took the Ubers, we took Uber to the, the venue and it's like the perfect place for carless tailgating because they have like these huge grassy knolls. There's people who are camping. So they're coming to tailgate without cars. Then there's like this pavilion that has a shade under it. So, um, I just want to like, that's great. Add that on to the whole experience of it. And then along with the fact that inside of the stadium is like this incredible mecca of sound. So like, these were the loudest shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the sound is so loud. Yeah, Mike. Mike said something about you know he moved into the stands and it was just it was the loudest he'd ever heard there. Yeah, I mean, I so I met up with some other friends and friends of friends, and I guess this one kid's like the sound engineer, and he even he was saying that he would like wish he had earplugs because it was just so loud. And I'm not sure if it's like the air is thinner or what, but um, it's just this like insane sound of, of anything. Um, anyway, then like on top of that, there's like not a bad seat in that venue. I mean, it's this like complete open bowl and you can see straight across in any direction. Uh, you can see, I, I was in the stands all three nights too. We, we kind of like posted up, we were like the first night we were like pretty far back on Mike's side. And then the second and third night we moved up a little bit still on Mike's side in the stands, like halfway up, halfway back. Um, it's good and spot. it's just, it's just incredible, like, sight lines. You can see everything. You can see the band. You can see, like, people dancing in the back corner. You, it's just, it's a crazy venue. And then, of course, it's, like, completely open. Like, it's not, there's no, like, I'm used to seeing them at the Man Center or at, like, a stadium where there's, like, weird sight lines and a ceiling. And it's just, like, you look up and you see the Colorado sky and you can see the moon. And it's just this, like, magical place. Like, I've already decided that I'm not missing another Dick's run. Terrific. Um, yeah, yeah, that was decided on night one, but yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> on to the shows. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, like I said, the shows were ridiculously high energy from like second one, minute one to the third encore. It was the most energetic fish that I've ever seen. Everybody was very happy and like having a fun time. You could tell. I mean, Trey was like laughing. You could hear him like laughing in some songs. It was just really <laughs> fun. So, um, first night, you uh, you know, they opened with the ghost and a big no man in no man's land. Uh, you have, uh, maybe I just called him out, but uh, you have particular um, uh, highlights you want to point. <laughs> yeah, to? I mean that was the highlight of the no, show for yeah, sure. It's good. Uh, we, I think we like looked around at each other. And we're like, they've been playing for like thirty minutes, and it's been two songs, and it's yeah. night one 
song one, set one, like, um, that was, like, really awesome start to the show. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed night one. Um, I'm, like, kind of, I, I mean, there's no, it was very high energy the whole, the whole run, but, like, night one was fun to, like, get your bearings and, like, um, just, just to hear what they had in store was just, like, a really fun thing, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I I don't disagree. And, you know, you kind of, especially when you go to a, a run at a new venue, you, you kind of have to do a bit of that kind of settling in, figure out where everything is, figure out where you are, you know, where your head is and uh, kind of get your space together, as they say, and then and then you're ready. And, yeah, uh, yeah. They, and, but Fish didn't do that, that's for sure. No, they, they, they were, were ready. At the gate. <laughs> you know, it, and it seems like, you know, I mean, because they had done like 15 other shows there. So they they were they were prepared and uh, they came, they'd done their homework and they came prepared for the exam. Yeah. Um, so night two had the big slave opener. And um, do you have any anything you'd like to highlight from there? Yeah, I mean, night two was also really fun, of course. High energy, no, like, lines or backwards down the number lines or any <laughs> of those stuff that we put up with in the summer. Um, my highlight from night two is definitely simple. Um, I, like, have listened to it probably, like, three or four different times since then. And, and every time I listen to it, I'm like, forget how awesome it was. So right. yeah. that was really fun. And... Um, did you like the you like the coil the, with Mike? The coil encore was fun. Yeah, that was really. I was just trying to. I was like, what was the encore? Yeah, all right. Um, yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I think at the time, like, we didn't really realize how special it was, too, though. And you're just like kind of in amazement of Mike on the bass, like closing out the song, closing out the set, closing out the encore, and then you you know you get a little minute to reflect, and you're like, wow, holy shit! Like, <laughs> we saw that for the first time ever, and it was awesome. It's always a good feeling. Yeah. So yeah. The, then we uh, the night three, which is the one I can't stop listening to. Um, which I actually haven't re-listened to yet, and I'm like anal about listening in order. So I've kind of been skipping around. I haven't listened to night three yet for the second time. But go ahead. <laughs> well, no, I I want to I want to hear what you have to say about it. Other than other than that, you haven't bothered to go back and listen so to one of the best shows of it. No, just kidding. Yeah, it was a really good show. It was definitely up there. Um, I haven't re-listened to it yet, but um, obviously, I mean, what else can be said about the second set? The second set was unbelievable. Um, it the, Like, the cross-eyed impalance was good on its own, and then to just have that fun, like, throughout the second set, teasing it, coming back, the um, piper to drums was awesome. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people probably think like drums is like gimmicky or like when Trey jumps on the whatever that marimba, um, but I mean, it was fun. I mean, it's like, and the thing is like, I guess it's different about couch touring. Like, you know, you couch touring and you see it happening and you're like, Oh, you know, the, the guys are having fun on the drum set, whatever. Um, but when you're there and like you start, you slowly seeing them and you're like, Oh my gosh, what's happening? All right, <laughs> all four of them are on the kit right now, and they're gonna just like tear it down. And that's when, you know, you're like getting everyone around you. You're like, you know, because everyone's like in their jam and they're like having fun and dancing. And you're like, wait, the guys are on the drum set. Everyone's everyone's on the drum set. Like this is gonna be ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it was that that scene that live. I mean, like I said, I know some people think it's like gimmicky and whatever, but it was whatever. awesome. Um, and yeah. Yeah, it was a good third night for sure. I mean, it just completely 
topped off the weekend like with a super high energy show of like fun creative playing and um you know you can't go wrong with that they didn't have asked for anything more that's for sure i think that 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 summarizes it right there i mean they kind of give you everything you need all all the jams all night long and uh, a lizard's to boot yeah um, it's funny because you know you you, you don't want to like take advantage of listening to a song but i did just hear lizards like this year so <laughs> if, <laughs> don't if take it for funny, granted yeah i don't take it for granted no i don't i like it i love it but it's just like you know you're like oh okay this is a dessert on top of the delicious meal so yeah yeah well um Sounds like you're thrilled to have gone. I, I, I don't think we can add too much more to that. Um, but I do want to know, um, so the way we're, we're, we've been doing this, we've been, you know, talking to our guests and then playing a playing a highlight for, at their, of their selection. We just played the tweezer from Mike. Oh, uh, can we play that too? What was, when I was at Tube? Night Tube? Uh, yeah. 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 Let's play that Tube. Okay. That uh, was a fun one. Yeah, we'll unless get... you're saying no. <laughs> no, it was actually it was on night three, but we're gonna definitely oh. play it. Um, it and, was night uh, three. Yeah, it it was rocking. Maybe maybe I'll I'll sneak in the melt before that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was fun. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, you should definitely do that. Sneak in the melt All and right. then to tube, and then finish it out with character zero. It was fun <laughs> as a it was fun as a first set closer. It's a great closer, it's yeah. It's a, there's there's a handful of songs that fit that slot perfectly, and that's one of them. Um, yes. you know, and they gave us, uh, first tube, the end to end the second set and do the same thing. Um, so it's a good show. So, um, well, Becky, Becky, yeah. Becky thank you for coming on. Pardon my You're stammer. Welcome. And, uh, a pleasure to talk to you and we'll have to have you back on talk at greater length. Um, but yeah, the girl's uh, perspective to fish. Yeah. Well, it's important because there's a lot more of you guys out there than there are on this podcast, uh, from time to time. So yeah, we definitely we get- like to have you on. And we get the short bathroom line, so it's yeah. kind of like the best event. <laughs> well, um, so folks, you guys can find Becky uh, at Becky May with three Y's on the Twitters. And uh, Becky, thanks again for coming on. And You're uh, welcome. <laughs> we'll see you at Dick's next year, right? Definitely. I'm right. there. Cool. Thank you.
Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamgoat's Van Flip Podcast. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names, and maybe you've heard their songs. But what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.